and for the reading of the gospel. The Holy Gospel of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, according to John. Glory to you, Lord Christ. Jesus said, Very truly I tell you, anyone who does not enter the sheepfold by the gate, but climbs in by another way, is a thief and a bandit. The one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him, and the sheep hear his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes ahead of them, and the sheep follow him because they know his voice. They will will not follow a stranger, but they will run from him because they do not know the voice of strangers. Jesus used his figure of speech with them, but they did not understand what he was saying to them. So again, Jesus said to them, "Very, very truly, I tell you, I'm the gate for the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and bandits, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters by me will be saved and will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Christ. Please bow with me in prayer. Lord, take my lips and speak through them. Take our minds and think through them. Take our hearts and set them on fire with love for your Son, Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen. Please be seated. You know, our scriptures today, both the reading from the Acts of the Apostles and the Gospel reading, both have to do with the church, and they point out something interesting, and there's a nuance of difference between the two. The, the, the first, the, the reading from Acts, talks about how there are differences in the church. Some differences are helpful differences, and some differences need to be changed, and the reading from the gospel, from John's gospel, talk about how there needs to be something that is the same, essential in the church. Now, I want you to look around just for a second. Look around. Look around at the different people around you. There are clearly differences in this room. And some of you are saying, thank God. But I mean, it's true. We are all different. We all appear different, different personalities, different ages. There's so many differences in the church. And sometimes, unfortunately, we focus on the wrong differences. We major on the minors. Instead of really focusing on the differences that the Lord wants us to focus on for the sake of the church. For moving the church forward and really holding on to what is essential. Because in many ways, it's kind of like we're meant to be a family and work together. And we miss the point. You know, I remember Bethany, for those of you that don't know our family or know about our family, Bethany is our oldest child. And Bethany was this 
pretty, still is, this pretty, petite little girl, 5'4", you know, musically inclined, majored in music in college. And I remember when Daniel was born. Meredith and I took Lamaze, and so I was there for the birth of our three children. And we didn't want to know the sex of our children. We wanted to be surprised. So I remember when Daniel was being born and his head popped out. My first response to Meredith was, oh, it's another girl. I'm not kidding. And then the rest of them came out and said, oh, I was wrong. You know, and that was not the only difference. You know, differences would come along continually with Daniel. Because Daniel not only was not 5'4", he eventually became 6'2". And Daniel had no interest in playing any music. Daniel became a football player, played football in college, and now he's in special forces. You want to talk about two completely different children. And then there was Aaron. Aaron, who walks into a room, and all he does is smile. And Aaron, who wants to be a CEO and make lots of money. And Aaron, who has musical talents and is also athletically inclined, but when he went to college, his focus was having fun, you know, so... So, I mean, you've got three different kids. It was parental whiplash is what it was. And the reality is, is that that's part of what life is like. That's part of what the church is like. And those kind of differences aren't necessarily bad. But differences in the church if we focus on the wrong things, can actually be incredibly divisive. You know, growing up in Pittsburgh, 50 years ago, when I was 10 years old, it was really interesting. The mills, the steel mills, were still going strong 50 years ago. And I grew up Roman Catholic, and it was really interesting to hear my parents talk about the churches that they grew up in and the churches that were around the community. Because my mom grew up in the Italian Catholic Church, and my dad grew up in the German Catholic Church. You know, we had two of the three access powers in our house. And then there was the Irish Catholic Church. And then there was the Polish Catholic Church. And, you know, there were all these mill workers around and all these nationalities around. And they all gravitated toward each other. These first generation and even the second generation as the parents were holding in some ways their cultures and their nationalities together. Nationality days in Pittsburgh were really cool. Because, I mean, you'd go to these street parties and get really good food. It's really great. Well, what happened in that second generation, my mom and dad's generation, is they were encouraged to not hold on to their language, to assimilate into the culture, to become American, 
And so those differences started to dissipate, and you no longer hear talk of those different kinds of ethnic Catholic churches. Intermarriages took place, and those differences fell by the wayside. And that's not necessarily a bad thing. Because some of the differences were arbitrary. Some of the separations weren't healthy. It's not bad to hold on to one's culture and one's background, but to the exclusion of other people in that way. See, in many ways, that's what was going on in the first century, the first generation of the church. See, in Acts chapter 2, when Peter preached his first sermon, when the Holy Spirit came upon the apostles, and you hear these lists of all these different nationalities, it's wonderful how the gospel, because of the Holy Spirit, exploded into the world. And it was no longer a Jewish phenomenon. And you have thousands and thousands of people coming to the Lord. But what happens when you get all these different peoples? It's complication. Right? The more people you have, the more problems you have. Because we all have problems and issues. Well, you've got kosher and you've got non-kosher. That's a problem. Because they didn't quite know how to deal with that. You've got the worship of one God and you've got the worship of many gods. And not only that, with the the worship with the, the pagans, you had the cultic worship with all kinds of sexual expression connected to it. And then you've got the morality, the sexual morality of the Jews. And morality in general. And the way they did family in general. I mean, the multiplication of all the differences. So when they came together and they started distributing food... There were issues. What a surprise. So they had to figure it out. The apostles weren't equipped for that. It wasn't the call that they had on their lives. And they said, we need to share ministry here. And of course, what did they look for? They looked for what was essential. Men of good standing... That makes sense. Men full of the Holy Spirit, of course, and wisdom. If you're going to call anyone into leadership, you want someone who's good, who has already begun to show holiness in their life. Wisdom. The Holy Spirit in operation, the practical application of the Word of God, and the Holy Spirit making Himself known, the fruit of the Spirit. That's what you look for. And so what we see in the early church already beginning to form, first generation, was different roles. That's not a bad thing. Differences are necessary. So we see this sameness and we see these differences. That's what's going on in the early church, the deacons. But you know what's interesting? Differences didn't disappear, the ones that needed to right away. If you were to read Paul's letter to the Galatians, 15 years later, maybe 20 years later, 
Paul and Peter getting into it. Paul, the minister to the Gentiles. Peter, still hanging out with the Jewish Christians. And they get into it over the Jewish-Gentile issue still. And they said, that needs to disappear. So the Council of Jerusalem, Acts chapter 15, takes place. And they said, we need to address this stuff. We've got to deal with it. Because we can't have the church separated over the wrong stuff. We still have prejudices. We still have condescension. And it can't be. The differences need to disappear. Some of the differences did need to disappear. Because as we come to Christ, those differences need to change. The challenges that the Jews were facing where they were being ostracized by other Jews because they were coming to Christ. The challenges that the Gentiles were facing is because of the changing morality and the changing culture, and they came together to share all in common, they were separating from their people and their families. They were relocating. There were challenges. They needed to come together under one God. One Lord, one faith, one baptism. They needed to learn what it meant to worship together, to fellowship together, to study God's word together. The walls needed to come down because they were dealing with a common challenge with the world, with other faiths. There were clearly differences. But those differences needed to be let go of. The differences that are necessary for the church, though, is we have different roles in the church. We see it in the early churches the church developed that there were bishops, overseers, and there were clergy, clergy that would deal with the teaching and preaching of the word and prayer and ministering to people. And there were deacons who were serving. And then ministry disseminated even more. If you were to read First and Second Timothy and Titus, you would see part of that. You know, this model existed even before... Acts of the Apostles, by the way. Jesus called his 12 apostles, and then several months later, we read, and he sent out the 72. Do you think those 72 went to seminary? They were fully equipped? I don't think so. They were willing to serve. They were willing to witness. They were willing to care for people. 
You don't have to have all the answers to begin to do ministry. Jesus already modeled that there's an essential group for leadership, for training. But then ministry is disseminated amongst the body of Christ. And that's what we see in the early church. There was a formation of those who were in leadership, apostles, and then deacons. And then what you see is the gifts of the Spirit begin to be manifested for all believers. And they're listed in Romans 12 and 1 Corinthians 12 and Ephesians 4. That if you are committed to Jesus Christ and He is your Savior and Lord, if you come under His cross that your sins are forgiven and you understand what it means to have salvation and eternal life, That you're filled with the Holy Spirit. And if you're filled with the Holy Spirit, you have at least one gift. And if you have at least one gift, you need to be using it. To bless the body of Christ. That's the differences that the Lord counts on to build His kingdom. To build His church. God doesn't want pew potatoes. God wants a body. A body means everybody is a vibrant, living part, connected, moving, active. That's a body. If we really understand. Jesus modeled it, the twelve than the 72. And then we see it with the apostles and deacons and then the gifts of the Spirit being poured out. Every believer building up the body of Christ. That's the church. If you really understand And you don't use the excuse, I'm not equipped. They weren't fully equipped. You don't have to have all the answers. And you certainly can't use the excuse, well, I don't like so-and-so. That's those differences that are a problem. You're not going to probably like everybody. Guess what? Probably not everybody likes you. There is that chance. That shouldn't prevent you from doing ministry. Just because you don't like somebody, we're all called to love each other. To learn to get over our differences that frankly just don't matter. Because if we're all believers, guess what? We're all going to end up together anyway. And we're also supposed to be part of a family. And families don't always get along all the time. What unites us is what we see in John 10. It means that we've gone through, as Jesus says, the gate, which is Jesus. The door, which is Jesus. And we listen to the shepherd's voice His voice. One Lord, one faith, one baptism. That's Jesus Christ. 
And he has a call. They were called to follow him, the shepherd. First through the door, that's salvation. And then into ministry. And he took up the cross. The abundant life is not always the easy life. Not the abundant life that the world promises. The abundant life that Jesus promises is a little different. But it's abundant. Because ultimately it blesses us and it blesses other people and it results in eternal life. That's the abundant life. Stephen understood that. Stephen was one of these guys who had a great reputation. He was a good guy, as we would say today. He was full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom. He practically applied God's Word to his life. And then he stood up and he was a witness. His sermon sounds an awful lot like Peter, and he wasn't that well trained. He was committed. He was willing to be God's vessel and used by the Holy Spirit. And by the way, he's known as the first martyr. The Greek word for martyr, marturion, is the same word, by the way, for witness. Did you know that? It's the same word for witness. Isn't that interesting? You know the implication? You're supposed to lay down your life when you witness. That's the implication. When you're a witness for the Lord, it means that you're giving your life over for Him. And Jesus said, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. You will be. When you really understand giving your life to me, you will be. Are you? Are you? You know what's interesting about Stephen? After he finishes, he's taken outside the city. Where was Jesus crucified? Outside the city. What did Stephen do as he was crucified? Or not Stephen crucified, Jesus crucified. He forgave those who crucified him. What did Stephen do as he was being stoned? He forgave those who stoned him. What did Jesus do as he was being crucified? He said, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. What did Stephen do as he was stoned? He said, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. I don't think Stephen tried to be like Jesus. I think because he followed the shepherd's voice, he was like Jesus. In life and in death, he was like Jesus. Because he followed the shepherd's voice and he was filled with the Holy Spirit. He was a witness.
I have two challenges for you. The first. This week. I challenge you to witness to somebody. Either. Tell someone how you came to faith in Jesus Christ. Or. Tell someone. What Jesus is doing in your life right now. And by the way, someone who doesn't know him. Be a witness. Secondly. I want you to pray about how you're involved in the church as part of the body of Christ. What's your gift? If you don't know your gift, go to Romans 12, 1 Corinthians 12, Ephesians 4. Figure it out. If you can't do that, come to the discovery class. I'll help you. Because we're all meant to be part of the body of Christ and use our gifts for ministry. Pray about it. Be the church. Be a witness. Let's pray. Lord God, I pray this morning that we would see the witness of Stephen, the first martyr. That we would hear your invitation as our shepherd to follow you. To follow you into the abundant light, the abundant life. Lord, that there may be someone here who's never taken that first step through the gate, through the door. That they might confess their sin, their separation from you. And turn their life over to you as Savior and Lord. Be filled with your spirit and follow the voice of the shepherd. But Lord, for all of us here who call ourselves believers, that we would also seek to be your witnesses, connected to your body, and live to bless others and glorify you. And we pray this in your precious name, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen.